And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is June the 16th. 167th day of the year. 198 days remain to the year's over with. And holidays and national days. Today is National Fudge Day. Arboreous Depreciation Day, Bloom's Day, which commemorates the life of Irish writer James Joyce, Fresh Veggies Day, International Day of Family Remittances, International Day of the African Child, International Waterfall Day, Martyrdom of Guru Arhan Dev Sahib, National Casey Day, National Mohammed Day, National Richard Day, National Take Back the Lunch Break Day, World Sea Turtle Day, and it is Youth Day, where we remember the heroes of the Soweto Uprising. Youth Day is a major issue in uh, South Africa. All righty. 363 AD, Emperor Julian marches back up the Tigris and Burns its fleet of supply ships. and withdrawal, Roman forces several several attacks from the Persians. Uh, 632. Yazdegerd III ascends the throne as king of the Persian Empire. He becomes the last ruler of the Sasanian dynasty in modern Iran. And uh, his title, official title, was Shah. 1407. Ming-Ho War. Retired King Ho Ki Li and his son. King Ho Han Throng of the Ho Dynasty are captured by the Ming armies. 1487, Battle of Stoke Field. Henry VII of England defeats the leaders of a Yorkist rebellion in the final engagement of the War of the Roses. 1586, Mary Queen of Scots recognizes Philip II of Spain as her heir and successor. 1632, Plymouth Company granted a land patent that Thomas purchased, the first settle of Hepscott, Maine, setting at the site of Fort Andros. 1745, War of the Austrian Succession. New England colonial troops under the command of William Pepperell captured the fortress of Louisburg near Louisburg, New France. 1746, War of the Austrian Succession. Austrian Sardinia defeated a Franco Spanish army at the Battle of Piacenza. 1755, French and Indian War. The French surrender Fort uh, Beausejour to the British, leading to the expulsion of the Acadians. All right. Also in 1760, on this date, French and Indian War, Robert Rogers and his Rangers surprised French held Fort St. Teresa on a richer river near Lake Champlain. They raid and burn the fort. 1779. Spain declares war on the Kingdom of Great Britain. And the siege of Gibraltar begins. 1795. French Revolutionary War. What became known as Cornwallis's retreat? A British Royal Navy squad of Red Vice Admiral William Cornwallis strongly resists a much larger French Navy force and withdraws largely intact, setting up the French Navy defeat at the Battle of Groix six days later. 
1811, survivors of an attack the previous day by T.O. Quiat on board the Pacific Fur Company ship Tonquin intentionally detonate a powder magazine on the ship, destroys the ship, and kills about 100 attackers. The 1815 Battle of Ligny and the Battle of Quatre Bras. These happened two days before the Battle of Waterloo. 1819, a major earthquake strikes the Kutch district of western India, kills over 1,500 people, and raises a 20 foot uh, tall, 3.5, excuse me, 3.7 mile wide ridge extending for at least 50 miles. It was known as the Alabund or the, the Dam of God. Eighteen twenty-four. Meeting at Old Slaughter's Coffee House in London leads to the formation of what is now the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, the RSPCA. Eighteen thirty-six. Formation of the London Working Men's Association gives rise to the Chartist movement. And for those who are not familiar with it, the Chartist movement uh, is a working-class movement for political reform in the UK. It erupted from 1838 to 1857 and was the strongest in 1839, 42, and 48. Took its name from the People's Charter of 1838 and was a national protest movement. Had particular strongholds of support in Northern England, East Midlands, Staffordshire uh, Potteries, the Black Country, and South Wales Valleys. Of course, the government opposed it and eventually suppressed it. 1846, the Papal Conclave of 1846 elects Pope Pius IX, beginning the longest reign in the history of the papacy. 1858, Abraham Lincoln delivers his House Divided speech in Springfield, Illinois. 1871, Universities Test Act of 1871. Now, students enter the University of Oxford, Cambridge, and Durham without religious test, except if you're intending to study theology. 1883, the Victoria Hall Theater panic in Sunderland, England, kills 183 children. Now, for those who are not familiar with it, uh, it occurred when the distribution of free toys caused a crowd crush. Um, 183 children between 3 and 14 years old were crushed to death due to compressive asphyxia. 1884, the first purpose-built roller coaster, the Marcus Adna Thompson's Switchback Railway, opens in New York's uh, Coney Island Amusement Park. 1897, a treaty annexing the Republic of Hawaii to the U.S. is signed. The Hawaiian Republic wouldn't be dissolved until a year later, though. 1903, the Ford Motor Company is incorporated. Also on this date, 1903, Roland Amundsen leaves Oslo, Norway to commence his first east-west navigation of the Northwest Passage. 1904, Eugene Shulman assassinates uh, Nikolai Babrikov, Governor General of Finland. Also in 1904, Irish author James Joyce begins a relationship with Norder Barnacle and uses the date to set the actions for his novel Ulysses. And that date is now traditionally called Bloomsday. 1911, IBM founded as the Computing Tabulating Recording Company in Endicott, New York. 
1922 general election in the Irish Free State. Pro-treaty Sun Finn party wins a large majority. Nineteen twenty-five. Arctic, the most famous young pioneer camp in the Soviet Union, is established. Nineteen thirty. Southern Corn establishes a decree time in the USSR. Now, decree time refers to the changes introduced to the Soviet Union time system by a Subnarkon decree of June 16, 1930. By this decree, all clocks in the Soviet Union were permanently shifted one hour ahead at zero, zero, on the 21st day of June, 1930. And this was everywhere in the Soviet Union. Application of the decree was further extended by two other decrees in 1930 and 1931. Uh, the practice was further extended and its legal basis amended in 1980. Now, this is independent from daylight savings time, which was introduced in USSR in 1981. In fact, both time shifts in effect. Uh, summertime was two hours ahead of standard time in the USSR. But they've always marched to, uh, shall we say, a different drummer. 1933, the National Industrial Recovery Act is passed in the U.S., allowing businesses to avoid antitrust prosecution if they establish voluntary wage price and working condition regulations on an industry-wide basis. 1940, World War II, Marshal-Henri Philippe Patin becomes chief of state of Vichy, France. Also in 1940, a communist government is installed in Lithuania. 1944, gross miscarriage of justice, George Junius Stenny Jr., 14 years old, becomes the youngest person executed in the U.S. in the 20th century after being convicted in a two-hour trial for the rape and murder of two teenage white girls. Now, George Junius Stenny Jr. was an African-American, and that was the first evidence against him. Um, in a later proceeding, the conviction was vacated as an unfair trial, and, but he was executed in March of 1944. It was Betty June Binnaker, who was 11, and Mary Emma T uh, Thames, who was 7. This was in Alkaloo, South Carolina. He was... Um, The murder was March of 44. He was convicted, sentenced to death, and executed by electric chair in June of 44. Reexamination of that case began in 2004, and several individuals in the Northeastern University School of Law sought a judicial review. In 2014, his murder conviction was vacated, 70 years after his execution. Um, South Carolina court ruled he didn't get a fair trial. But I have seen a lot of miscarriages of justice, and everybody swore it was what ought to have happened. 1948, members of the Malayan Communist Party killed three British plantation manager in Sungai Siput. In response, British Malaya declares a state of emergency. It's interesting about the communists, as I've said before, they, they want to level the playing field. Everybody has the same. 
except those at the top. And of course, they have whatever they want. They live like kings. 1955, in a futile effort to topple Argentine President Juan Perón, rogue air pilots of the Argentine Navy dropped several bombs on an unarmed crowd, demonstrating in favor of Perón in Buenos Aires. Uh, this bombing kills 364 and injures about 800. Same time, on the ground, soldiers attempt to stage a coup, but uh, forces loyal to Perón uh, suppress the coup. 1958, Emre Nagy, Palmaletta, and other leaders of the 1956 Hungarian uprising are executed. 1961, while on tour with a Carole Ballet in Paris, uh, Rudolf Nuyev defects from the Soviet Union. 1963, Soviet space program. Vostok 6. Cosmonaut Valentina Tereshkova becomes the first woman in space. Also in 63. In an attempt to resolve the Buddhist crisis in South Vietnam, a joint communique was signed by President Ngo Dinh Diem and Buddhist leaders. 1972. The largest single-site hydroelectric power plant in Canada is inaugurated at Churchill Falls Generating Station. 1976, Soweto Uprising. Nonviolent march by 15,000 students in Soweto, South Africa, turns into days of rioting when police open fire on the crowd. 1977, Oracle Corporation is incorporated in Redwood Shores, California, software development laboratories by Larry Ellison, Bob Miner, and Ed Oates. Uh, Oracle Corporation was a multinational computer technology corporation and its headquarters in Austin, Texas. It was the third largest software company in the world by revenue and market capitalization in 2020. It sells database software and technology, cloud-engineered systems and enterprise software products such as enterprise resource uh, planning software, human capital management software, customer relation management software, uh, enterprise performance management software and supply chain management software. The, um, you know, it's interesting. I saw some uh, movie about Steve Jobs last night where he took uh, an idea and built an empire around it. 1981, President Ronald Reagan awards a Congressional Gold Medal to Ken Taylor, Canada's former ambassador to Iran. He helped six Americans escape Iran during the hostage crisis of 1979. First foreign citizen given the honor. 1989, Revolutions of 89. Emery Nagy, the former Hungarian Prime Minister, is reburied in Budapest following the collapse of communism in Hungary. 1997, 50 people are killed in the Deat Lebguer, a massacre in Algeria. In the year 2000, Secretary General of the UN reports that Israel has complied with the United Nations Security Council Resolution 425, 22 years after it was issued and withdrew from Lebanon. Resolution did not encompass the Sheba farms, which is claimed by Israel, Syria, and Lebanon. On this date in 2002, Padre Pio is canonized by the Roman Catholic Church. 2010, Bhutan becomes the first country to institute a total ban on tobacco. 2012, China successfully launches its Sinzu 9 spacecraft carrying three astronauts, including the first female Chinese astronaut, Liu Yang, to the 
Tiangong 1 orbital module. Also in 2012, the U.S. Air Force's robotic Boeing X-37B space plane returns to Earth after a classified 469-day orbital mission. 2013, multi-day cloudburst centered on the northern Indian state of Uttarakhand. All the devastating floods and landslides. It becomes the country's worst natural disaster since the tsunami of 2004. 2015, American businessman Donald Trump announces his campaign to run for president of the United States in the upcoming election. And he was elected, though now they're doing everything they possibly can to keep him from running for re-election, to include ignoring all the evidence of bribery um, that were given to former President Obama and current President Joe Biden. 2016, Shanghai Disneyland Park, the first Disneyland Park in mainland China, opens to the public. And in 2019, upwards of 2 million people participated in the 2019-2020 Hong Kong protest. That's the largest in Hong Kong's history. All right. We have been talking about um, um, VA. And there's a lot of... um, well, shall we say, um, benefits that can accrue to veterans if they know how to ask for them. Now, the law says the, the VA will help you, but it doesn't say it will do it for you. Um, I've seen people uh, submit uh, claims for benefits that just said, uh, I was injured. And that was it. Um, That, of course, is not sufficient. As I said yesterday, the medical diagnosis of an injury, what's known as a nexus, or some kind of connection between the event and uh, your current uh, situation, and if, if you do it right, the VA can be your best friend. Now, part of the problem is the VA used to be staffed with veterans. But now, a lot of the workers, it's just a job. Screw you. You're bothering me. Um, and a lot of people have never, ever, looked at their military, VA, and private medical records. Um, but you need to know what's in your records. You need to understand the diagnosis of your disability and how your symptoms uh, tie into that disability. Now, One book that should be mandatory reading is Title 38, Part 4 of the Code of Federal Regulations. And that deals specifically with schedule for rating disabilities. And there are 800 and currently 834 rateable disabilities that the law allows. And you need to know what your specific issue is called 
under the CFR. And when you get, you know, a lot of people when they go to these CNP exams, they think it's just a formality. It's not. Um, first off, don't be ashamed to talk about your disabilities. And others describe their best day. Now, you need to describe the CMP exam as a snapshot in time of how you're doing. If you're having a good day, but it's not usually the case, explain to the examiner. Um, and let's say you have back pain. If it's so severe, you often can't get out of bed in the morning without help, or you have to wear a brace, describe. Tell your examiner in detail. Now, whatever you do, don't lie, stretch the truth. And keep in mind, um, that your examination starts when you pull in the parking lot. Don't roll out of the car and strut into the office and then start limping. Because our camera's in the parking lot and the people at the front desk watch and they report what they see to uh, the examiner. You know, keep in mind, the examiner is not your friend. They're there to do a job. Um, and when you go to the exam, bring hard copy documents of anything you want looked at. Now, they may already have it in the record, uh, I went to an exam not too long ago, and I said, this was one of the uh, contracted uh, agencies, and I said, do you have access to any of my records? And he said, I've got access to 8,600 pages of records. So, uh, certainly, and that exam went very smoothly, because everything was right there. Now, if your CMP exam uh, is performed by a VA doctor at a VA facility, uh, within 48 to 72 hours, the results of that exam is in your medical records. And you can go to myhealthyvet.gov and look at it. If it's performed by a contracted doctor at a private facility, um, the results will be at the Veteran Benefits Management System. And you can get your veteran service officer to download a copy of that from the Veterans Benefits Management System. Or file a FOIA request. I'm going to do one of those today. Um, I did one, oh, 20 years ago. And I didn't know why I felt I wasn't getting all the documents, but I did. So I filed a FOIA request, and I get this big box from the regional office. And we were moving at the time, so we got stuck in a corner. Well, I kept being told we don't have those records, or those records were destroyed years ago. My favorite um, excuse was, well, there was a fire in the, at the uh, National Personnel Records Center, and your fi uh, records are destroyed. Well, my, that's in St. Louis. Now, my wife came from St. Louis. She knew the fire was 1968. 
I enlisted in the reserves in 1971. So, how were my records destroyed? And were they destroyed alphabetically? Um, eventually, we got that all hashed out. But that was the excuse I got for a long time. Um, now, when you decide you're going to apply for uh, disability compensation, go to va.gov, that's a website, and file what's called a notice of intent to file. That saves the date. So when you do get service connection, it'll be back to that particular date. And then you got a year to get everything together. And the claim and the effective date for disability compensation to be calculated based on the date of your notice to of intent to file. Um, because keep in mind, something like this and um, doesn't get settled in a few days. It can take months. Um, I had one that was granted after 40 years. And you can also apply for compensation at va.gov. Very straightforward. Or you can get a form and mail it to the, uh, that you can get off the website and mail it to the Veterans Benefit Administration. Now, if you never filed a disability claim before, first thing you need to do is find your DD-214. That's the document that's basically a picture of your service. And you can uh, ask for that from uh, records. If you don't know how to get started, you can go to the DAV, the American Vest, the VFW, or any number of accredited uh, veteran service organizations. As I say, you'll need a DD-214, your Social Security number, or uh, if you're an old one like me, you even have a, a VA file number. It's known as a C file, and it's C, whatever the number is. Also, you give them your full name, mailing address, email address, phone number, because they may contact you. Now, you may decide to submit a fully developed claim, which is different than a standard claim. Standard claims one with limited supporting evidence attached to it. You're asking the VA to track down personnel and medical records. You need to file with everything you can get your hands on. Now, I've had, uh, just yesterday, something came to light. Um, I was commissioned as an officer, but before that, while I was in school, I was in the reserves. Entered the reserves in 1971, which meant I should be counted as a Vietnam-era veteran. I got commissioned in June of 75 after the end of the Vietnam War. So the argument has already always been, am I a disabled Vietnam-era veteran or a peacetime veteran? The benefits can be somewhat different. Now, in discussions with a gentleman at the regional office, 
uh, because I'll tell you frankly, my local VA is worthless. Um, I made mention of something that happened at uh, when you're in ROTC getting ready to be commissioned. You go to what's called summer camp, and you're under orders. It's considered what's called active duty for training, ADT. And normally, that's just part of your reserve time. It doesn't count as active duty, even though you're under orders. But if you're injured and you get service connection for the injury, now it becomes uh, active duty time. And the uh, in discussions, something he said triggered a memory that I spent part of that summer camp on crutches for an injury to my leg. And I have a service-connected injury for a re-injury to my leg that happened on active duty. Now, if they can find the records from the troop medical clinic at the post I was at, and I wouldn't even begin to know where to look for those, but they say they do, then my service connection backdates to the original injury. Uh, we were doing mortar training, and if you know anything about a mortar pit, um, in those days, which was the Vietnam era, you kept the shells in a recess that you would dig into the side of the pit, and you'd lay them on top of each other, nose out. Well, we, one of the guys with me, we were all students, went to put a round into that little recess, and the the firing pin on the base of the mortar round hit the nose of a round that was already there. And what it did is it cooked off the propellant. Now, when I say cook off, that means it ignited it. And there was a flare of fire that came out of the, the uh, because it looks like cheese. But if you light one, it's going to flare and burn like you wouldn't believe. Well, the guy on either side of me got quite a dose of it. And I got it in the face. So I had these little dark pock marks all over my face. And that was, I call it cordite. I don't know what it's, the real name of it is. But it was pieces of that little propellant uh, pad. And... I was warned not to dig them out, don't have them removed, because if one of them ignites, it could explode. Now, I've had several dermatologists tell me the same thing. But as I've gotten older, they've come to the surface. But the point is, that in and of itself is a disability. So if I can find the records... I could be given service connection for that. And service connections are very important. And what they have to do is find the service treatment records from that particular post. And in the service treatment records will be a medical diagnosis. And 
I mean, even though they can look at it and they know it's a medical condition, there has to be a diagnosis. And then the nexus, which is what the service treatment records would be. And if you've been on an active duty service more than 12 months, and I've been out a long time more than that, you need to get the medical nexus letter, which is an independent medical opinion from a private provider explaining the, the cause of your condition. And whether a connection to your service or another disability exists on at least likely is not basis and how severe your symptoms are. Then you do, and the VA's got a form for everything. You'd submit a statement in support of claim, which is known as a VA Form 2138. And that's just a personal statement about your symptoms and how these symptoms negatively impact your work and life and social function. And then if you still know anybody from your time in service, get what's called a buddy letter. That's lay evidence, which means it's not uh, a legal presentation. It is um, witness testimony from somebody 18 years of age or older who saw what happened. Now, legally, none of these items are required to file the claim. In fact, some of them won't even be suggested. But just because the VA doesn't ask for it doesn't mean you shouldn't get it. The more you can give, the better. The VA says, I need A, B, C, and D. Okay. But it makes it more likely that it'll be granted if you give them E, F, G, and H. Well... Now, if you have an outside physician, a private doctor or even a VA doctor who's seen you for a long time and you've established something of a rapport with, ask for an evidence-based letter. That's the nexus letter. It explains the severity of your symptoms and why the disability is likely due to your military service. Now, unfortunately, most doctors don't really care. They're concerned with chasing their nurse or going to the golf course or getting the next Mercedes. But some have a desire to help as much as they can. But if your doctor doesn't want to get involved or doesn't know how to do a medical nexus letter, it can lead to you being denied. I've got a There'll be a record somewhere of everything you've been treated for. Some are service-connected, some are not. Service connections are the important ones. Uh, if you've previously been denied um, disability compensation benefits, get an independent medical opinion from a private health care provider. Then you go back to the VA and say, look, here's medical evidence. And there are organizations that help you with that. <coughs> You'd be surprised how many organizations out there try to help um, veterans get their benefits. Now, I got an email from a listener said, 
I file VA claims and I never hear from them again. What happens after they get filed? How long does it to get a decision? Well, in general, the VA's Veteran Service Representative, or VSR, and Rating Veteran Service Representative, the RVSR, both follow an eight-step process. Now, if you submit a fully developed claim, that means you gave them everything they need. It could take 90 to 120 days to get a rating decision. Now, I got one after uh, two weeks because I got my decision. And I called somebody I knew at the regional office and I asked a question, a logical question. And he sat there for a second. He said, I'll get back to you. They had denied service connection for two things that uh, very clearly, if you could read, were related to a service-connected disability. Well, the VA has something called uh, clear and mistakable error. And if you show them they have made an error, they can correct it very quickly. And in both cases, they did. Now, the VA is getting faster every day. Between 2018 and 2020, claims adjudicators uh, shaved an average of 50 days off the processing time. Now, one place you can go for a lot of answers or to ask to speak to a VA representative is 1-800-827-1000. And that's kind of a a catch-all. Now, the eight steps that I mentioned earlier. Number one, they get the claim. And if you file it online, you'll get an on-screen message from the VA after you submit the application. And a week or ten days later, you'll get a letter to let you know they got the claim. It, um, it'll show up at VA.gov the web portal in which you manage your VA benefits in 7 to 14 days. There is an app that the VA has. I found it by mistake. And a copy of all the letters they send you is uploaded onto that app. It's not VA.gov. It's another one. Then the second step involves a veteran service representative reviewing the claim. And if the VA doesn't need any more evidence from you, the application will go into immediate processing. And the processing normally takes 7 to 21 business days. And in the third step, the veteran service representative may ask for evidence from you. Health care providers, government agencies, or any other uh, entity they can think of before moving a claim to uh, for a decision. Now, I got a call from the Army Board for Correctional Military Records because in the box that I mentioned when I filed the FOIA were three letters. Two were addressed to me, but I had never seen before. And I got the hard copy because they were in the process of converting to digital, and they were going to throw all these records away. So they sent them to me. I got a thousand pages of paper. And one of the letters was dated uh, 1983, 
and it said um, I was I just had my quadrennial physical I was still in the reserves after leaving active duty you have to have a quadrennial physical every four years and they said well you're not fit for retention the second letter said in regard to you not being fit for retention we discovered by reviewing your file you weren't fit for retention at the time you left service so you should not have been allowed to ETS. You should have been medically reboarded for medical retirement. The third letter was sent to the Army Board of Correction Military Records that they were changing my physical to show unfit for retention, which would have automatically required a medical board. And the Board of Correction said, okay, send us a copy of your official uh, personnel file. I said, say what? You know, the, the personnel file. We don't have it. It's not in St. Louis, so you have to have it. And we can't process it without it. I said, I don't have it. So, there are other places within the military administrative system where records sometimes go to die. So right now they're searching for that, and assuming they find it, I'll be put in front of a medical board, which will determine uh, if I wasn't fit for duty at the time I left the service, should I have been medically retired? And if I'm given a medical retirement with over 30% um, uh, disability, then there are other benefits that accrue. So that's why it's so important to retain all the records that you can because it can uh, be very beneficial. Now, it's during the gathering of evidence phase that the, the compensation and pension examination is ordered. And that normally takes 30 to 60 business days, and um, typically gathering evidence is the longest step in the VA claims process. Now, Step four in this process is reviewing all the evidence. The veteran service representative assigned to your claim is going to review everything, and they got a little checklist. Now, if they decide additional evidence is needed, they'll send it back to the, um, the folks that handled step three, and that can happen more than once. In fact, uh, VA claims very commonly move back and forth between phases. It's normal. It's not something to get upset about. And you may also see confusing back-and-forth messages inside your application, but they're typically for internal use only. If you need something from you, you'll, you'll definitely know about it. Normally, the review of evidence takes 7 to 14 days. Then step 5, preparation for decision. In this particular step, your entire VA disability claim file is sent to a... Uh, Reviewer who reviews the application, the medical records, supporting documents, personnel, personal statements, buddy letters, anything else you send. And especially the CMP exam. And uh, the person at this step recommends a decision, begins the process of preparing the documents to explain the reasoning. Because you'll get a letter after the fact that explains in some detail the rationale for their decision. 
And this step normally takes seven to 14 days. Then step six, once the decision recommendation documents are prepared, the claim gets a final award approval, which usually involves a second tier reviewing authority. And this step also takes seven to 14 business days. We're not talking about something that happens overnight. Then step seven, the VA prepares your disability claim decision letter and all the supporting documents used to make the rating decision. And they'll mail that to you, and that takes 7 to 14 business days. Now, when the letter's completed, even before it goes into the mail, it pops up on this uh, app that I've discovered. And in step 8 is the decision is sent They'll send you a packet by U.S. Mail. And that includes all the details of the decision about your claim. You can go to va.gov, and there are other ways to get to that. Um, when you get your VA decision letter, letter, go over it in detail. And if you don't agree with something, say so. Um, you can ask for a higher-level review. And that's a, if you want to appeal what was done, that's a great place to start. And if that doesn't work, you might try a supplemental claim using new and relevant evidence, not previously considered. That might include a new independent medical opinion, a new buddy letter, new personal statement, medical records you hadn't submitted before. And you can complete the higher level review request online at va.gov or do some additional paperwork and upload it all. VA has what's known as a quick submit tool where you can get all that stuff um, put up. Now, a lot of people don't want to apply for disability benefits because they think um, VA disability is only for those veterans who are more disabled than I am. Other veterans deserve benefits, but not me. And I've had a number of people tell me that. Uh, uh, my good friend of mine, uh, who had a lot of um, issues. He said, VA disability is charity. Now, don't take charity. It's not charity. It's something you've earned. And almost all veterans are eligible for VA disability benefits if you had an honorable discharge. If you got a dishonorable, you have to get the discharge upgraded first, and that's difficult but not impossible. You can be rated from 0 to 100% increments of 10%, depending on whether your disabilities are service-connected. Then there are those that say, well, if I get VA benef disability benefits, it takes away from another veteran's benefits. No, your disability benefits don't affect anybody else but you. And if you don't get your benefits, the only ones you're hurting are yourself and your family because of your dependents also are entitled to uh, benefits. And then there's my favorite one. I've been out of service too long to apply for disability benefits. My father took that position. He wouldn't, you could have held a gun on him and he wouldn't apply for this uh, VA benefits. But there's no statute of limitations on VA disability benefits. You can apply anytime you want to. No restrictions whatsoever. And then 
I've had people, I've worked with a lot of people. I wrote a book called The Veterans Practical Primer. You can order it through Amazon if you want to. Or you can order it from my website. But one of the things that folks say is my conditions weren't diagnosed in my military medical record, so I'm just going to get denied, so what's the point? Well, they don't need to be diagnosed in your service uh, treatment records. But they do need to be diagnosed and documented in some medical record. If you think you've got a disability but it hadn't been diagnosed, go see a doctor. Uh, when I had surgery on my neck, um, I was having, I've had headaches 24-7 for over 40 years. When the original injury happened, um, the um, battalion medic said, I don't see any bone, don't see any bla uh, blood. I'm going to give you a miracle drug. It's called ibuprofen. Well, I had surgery on my neck to try to alleviate the headaches. And my wife, who's been in the medical field for over 50 years, said, ask the neurosurgeon, could you have a TBI? And I asked her what a TBI was, and she explained it to me. So I asked him, and he looked at me for a moment and pulled up my scans, and after a few minutes said, yeah, you do. It's another one. There it is right there. So, after a lot of back and forth, and uh, the VA said, yeah, you got a TBI. Now, they didn't make it retroactive to when it happened because I didn't apply within a year of, of leaving service. But I didn't know it existed. And that's one of the things that's very difficult to get across. Then there are folks that say, well, the VA gave me a disability rating, so I can't apply again. Well, it's not one per person, folks. The disability process is not over until and unless you quit. You can apply as many times as you want to. Maybe conditions have worsened. You can apply for an increase. Maybe you realize you're eligible for secondary service connection and want to file a secondary claim. There are no rules stopping you from filing anything as long as you've got medical evidence to back up what you're saying. And one that's been said to me by a veteran service officer, you got a disability rating? Don't rock the boat. They can take it away from you. Now, the only time you should be happy with the disability rating is if you believe you're getting everything you're legally, morally, ethically, and medically eligible for. And if you think you deserve an increase, open up a new claim. If they take it away from you, that's retaliation. That's a crime. And then one gentleman said, I already got denied, so there's nothing else I can do. They just don't deny me again. Prior denials don't affect future claims. And if the VA denied your claim, there are plenty of options. You can file a Howler River Review request or a supplemental claim. You can file the records-only board appeal or request a video teleconference with a BVA judge. There's always a path. As I say, the process stops when you quit. And one gentleman uh, said, well, VA's got it out for veterans, and they intentionally deny the claims. Ronald Reagan had a um, something he instituted. He said, if you tell somebody no, 50% won't come back. If you tell them no a second time, 50% of those won't come back.
and then you grant it for the ones that are persistent. Well, the VA doesn't intentionally deny claims. They follow the, the laws and the regulations when they're viewing a VA disability claim. So if you submit strong evidence with appropriate medical uh, support, there's no reason you can't get the benefits. Or maybe you think your disabilities aren't severe enough to get a VA rating. Well, regardless of the severity of your symptoms, you can still get service connection which opens a lot of doors. Even if your rating is zero, which means you don't get any money, but you get access to medical care and things such as that. And if your condition worsens over time, it's easier to file for an increase on a disability that's already service-connected. And my favorite one, and this came from somebody I thought was relatively intelligent. He said, if I could... And his problem was PTSD. He said, if I'm seen for mental health and have a VA rating for PTSD, the VA is going to take away my guns. Well, a VA rating for mental health, including PTSD, has absolutely nothing to do with your guns. By law, the VA can't take away your guns. They've been an unlawful seizure without a warrant. However, even though the VA doesn't have the authority to take away your guns or impose any other limitations on ratings... Uh, VA ratings can potentially impact other aspects of a veteran's life. So you need to consider uh, carefully what you say and how you say it. Or, if I get a VA rating for mental health or PTSD, I'll lose my security clearance. It has nothing to do with your security clearance. You do need to file an FF-86 to let the security official know, but it doesn't impact your security clearance. And uh, now, failure to disclose a rating might be considered a lack of integrity and honesty, and that can impact your security clearance. Or you say my VA rating for mental health ought to be higher because I had whatever your MOS was. Well, the VA rating for mental health and everything to do with your job in the military. But it does have everything to do with the current frequency, severity, and duration of your symptoms. And or you think if you get a VA disability rating, the employer will find out and take negative action against you. Number one, even though I've seen parts of my military, uh, my VA file turn up in the strangest places, your employer doesn't have any way of knowing about a disability rating unless you tell them. And if it takes negative action against you because of a VA disability, that just violated the Americans Disability Act and the Americans Disability Act Amendment Act. Or you think if you get a 100% VA rating or permanent and total status, you can't work anymore. Well, the VA disability rating percentage doesn't have any impact on your ability to work. Income and VA disability benefits are completely independent from each other. The only time work status is affected if you're 100% total disability individual unemployability. That's called TDIU. I originally was granted that, and a week later they changed it to permanent and total. Or once I get service connection, I, I have to go to the VA for all my medical care and treatment. No. If you have private insurance and want to see a private doctor, go for it. Well... And there are those that think because they're being treated by the, the VA, they're, they're entitled to a VA rating. 
Well, just because you get medical care at the VA for a specific condition doesn't mean that condition is eligible for VA benefits under the law. It has to be service-connected, meaning it was caused or made worse by your military service or another service-connected disability. And, of course, my all-time favorite was a gentleman I assisted, and he said... Uh, well, if I get a rating, VA is going to follow me around waiting for me to do something I shouldn't so they can take it away. No. I've had a disability rating for 30-some-odd years. I haven't seen anybody following me around. And certainly I've not been, uh, shall we say, um, a team player. I've called them when I thought they made a mistake. And there are tons of additional benefits available to dependents of veterans with a 100% permanent total rating. Well, on that note, we've kind of run out of time. I'll do one more show tomorrow about VA benefits, and I'm gonna, then I'm going to go back to murder. So until tomorrow at this time, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.